Hello and welcome to this fourth podcast for the High North Dialogue 2015, a collaboration of the University of Nordland, the University's High North Center for Business and Governance and the Arctic Institute. We're speaking with attendees and speakers about the work, the High North Dialogue and the conference's theme of security and business in the Arctic. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mark Jacobsen. Today we're talking with Christian Markusen, who is project leader of the Greenland part of the Continental Shelf Project of the Kingdom of Denmark. After completing his master in geophysics at the University of Aarhus, he has worked at the Geological Survey for Denmark and Greenland for more than 25 years, mainly with seismic data acquisition, processing and interpretation both onshore and offshore Greenland. He was appointed to his present position when the Danish Jungklos project started in 2003. Hi Christian, thanks for joining us today. Hi Mark, thanks for calling me and I look forward to our interview. Could you please start by telling us about your work in connection to the Kingdom of Denmark's Continental Shelf project? Why was this comprehensive project initiated and how has it been conducted scientifically as well as practically? Okay, uh, of course, the framework for our uh, work has been UNCLOSED Article 76, which gives uh, Coastal State uh, the possibility to extend its continent shelf beyond 200 nautical miles. The uh, project was initiated in 2003, and of course, the main objectives of the project were, first of all, to identify potential area in the Kingdom of Denmark, where the continent shelf can be extended beyond 200 nautical miles. And we have identified five potential claim areas, two around the Faroe Islands and uh, three around Greenland. And, of course, the next objective of the project has been to obtain the necessary database to document a submission to the Commission on the limits of the continent shelf. So that, that in that sense are the main objective of the uh, continent shelf project. So the status right now at the end of 2014, the project has uh, submitted five partial submissions to the Commission on the limits of the continent shelf, CLCS, one in the area north of the Faroe Islands where the um, CLCS made its recommendation public uh, uh, available, um, endorsing the entire area claimed by the government of Denmark uh, together with the government of the Faroes. And um, there's an area south of the Faroe Islands and then as I said three areas are in Greenland, south of Greenland, northeast of Greenland and in last year in December uh, in submission regarding the Arctic Ocean was sent to the CLCS. And how have you in practice collected data for the project? In the um, most of the areas we have used standard methods to acquire the necessary data and it's mainly bathymetric and seismic data we have acquired because that's according to the provisions of Article 76, these data are the mo- most important to document a claim. However, in the Arctic Ocean it has been somewhat of a challenge because this area north of Greenland is still ice-covered, ice so in its, this ice cover is permanent and ice thicknesses are up to 3-4 meters and with even pressure ridges up to 20 meters thick. So this is really a challenge. So in order to acquire the necessary data in that area, we had to develop a, a concept and that is based 
first of all, on a good cooperation with other uh, nations. Uh, first of all, uh, Canada and Sweden. And then also we have developed some new methods to, to acquire the data. So the concept is, in, in, in very few words, uh, we have worked on the ice close to the coast to acquire some data, uh, bathymetric and seismic data, and then we have used uh, the Swedish icebreaker Oden in the central part of the Arctic Ocean. And uh, even one year, this uh, icebreaker was supported by a Russian nuclear icebreaker. So this has been uh, quite a challenge, but uh, uh, during the three expeditions uh, with the Swedish icebreaker Oden and other expedition on the ice, I think we have acquired the uh, uh, necessary data in that area to uh, document uh, our submission. According to some Danish newspaper articles, the original plan was to claim approximately 150,000 square kilometers north of Greenland. In the spring of 2014, it was then extended to at least 400,000 square kilometers, but ultimately it ended up being more than a double. What happened during this process that led you to conclude that the Kingdom of Denmark can justify a claim of almost 900,000 square kilometers, including the majority of the Lomonosov Ridge and the North Pole? Maybe I should just add a few facts uh, to your previous question, sorry. Uh, I just mentioned that the project has a total has had a total budget of 330 million Danish kroner, which uh, equals 44 million euros from 2003 to 2014. And one-third of data acquisition in the Arctic Ocean, one-third in the other four areas, and one-third for work at in the office to, to compile the data to do the indentation and of course also to finalize our submissions. And we have a website which is uh, www.a76.dk where a lot of information is available for the public describing both the activities within the project but also some uh, general information on UNCLOS Article 76. Now to go back to your last question. I can comment on that, that unfortunately there are some misunderstandings related especially to the first figure, the 150,000 square kilometers. This figure originated from a desktop study some eight years ago, which was based on publicly available data and last but not least also limited by unofficial median lines. So um, this is just an unofficial number and the numbers you mentioned have never been by any way official number and so they don't describe an official, an official statement regarding the size of the uh, submission area in the Arctic Ocean. So, uh, and I would like to add that the recent submission in the Arctic Ocean by the Kingdom of Denmark is based on the same concept as used by for the other four submission areas and that is to exploit the possibilities of Article 76 and UNCLOS to its full extent, provided that the necessary documentation is available. So, and I have to add that all five partial submissions are based on measured data, either acquired by the project or publicly available data. In our last podcast, we interviewed Professor Alexander Sergunin from St. Petersburg State University, who said, and I quote, I guess the chance for the approval of the Danish application is not very good, not very high. My impression is that Denmark repeats the same mistakes like Russia did in 2001. So I mean, the legal experts said that the chances are not very good. End quote. 
What is your reaction to Mr. Segune's statement? And how do you assess the Kingdom of Denmark's chances to get the application approved? Yeah, let me answer this question in in this way. As previously mentioned, the recent submission is the latest of five submissions uh, of the Kingdom of Denmark. Uh, Since the Continent Shelf Project was launched in 2003, a lot of experience regarding extended continent and shelf issues has been gained within the project. Please also remember that the CLC has adopted recommendation regarding the partial submission north of the Faroe in March of 2014, last year. The Commission agreed with the determination of the fixed points establishing the outer limits of the continent shelf north of the Faroe Islands as originally listed in the submission. That means that the Commission in general has agreed to the concept and the methodology used for this area. And I can say, tell you that the same concept and uh, methodology has been applied to the other four areas and therefore also to the submission in the Arctic Ocean. We have uh, studied the CLCS recommendation regarding the 2001 submission of the Russian Federation in the Arctic Ocean very carefully. We are furthermore fully aware of the requirements regarding a submission as stated in the scientific and technical guidelines of the CLCS. And let me stress again that all points delineating the outer limits of the northern continent shelf of Greenland in the Arctic Ocean, as shown in the executive summary, are based on measured data. We now have to wait for an examination of this partial submission in the Arctic Ocean by the CLCS, which will happen in due time and according to the modus operandi of the CLCS. And my best guess is that this will happen after 2020. We know from our previous experience with the partial submission regarding the area north of the Faroes that the subcommission regarding our Arctic submission will scrutinize the documentation included in the Arctic submission very carefully before the CLCS will issue their recommendations. So, does it mean that the Kingdom of Denmark has good chances or not to get its application approved? I think uh, from the context of my answer, uh, which is based on the same concept which has proven to be successful, you can gather that we are quite confident. But in general, I think we have to wait for the decisions of or the recommendation for the CLCS and then judge from their recommendation of if our submission is, is successful or not. So I think we should give the CLCS the time to scrutinize our submission and then then take it from there. Another interesting fact about the territorial claim is that it reaches Russia's exclusive economic zone 200 nautical miles from shore. While the official reaction from Kremlin has been rather diplomatic, Professor Michael Byers, who we interviewed in our first podcast for the Heinos Dialogue 2015, has stated in a Danish newspaper article, and I quote, there has so far been a spirit of cooperation in the Arctic, but with Denmark's claim it is possible that this atmosphere can be greatly affected. It is quite possible that Russia will punish Denmark with a significant expansion of the Russian territorial claim or even with a veto against the Danish claim. End quote. Do you agree with Mr. Bias that the Kingdom of Denmark's claim may have negative influence on the cooperative Arctic atmosphere? And how do you think possible overlapping claims will be solved? 
of course, this question uh, regards some issues which are not my uh, field of expertise. However, I can just quote the uh, Illudiset Declaration from 2008, where the uh, Arctic coastal states have agreed to that Notably, I, I cite now the declaration, notably the law of the sea provides for important rights and obligation concerning the delineation of the outer limbs of the continent shelf, the protection of marine environments, including ice-covered areas, freedom of navigation, marine seismic research, sorry, marine scientific research and other uses of the sea. And then they say the important thing now, we remain committed to this legal framework and to the orderly settlement of any possible overlapping claims. So I think that that is describing the sense of cooperation which uh, is in the Arctic Ocean. And I would also like to explain that in order to define the final outer limits of the continent shelves, the following three steps are involved. First of all, we have to delineate the outer limits of the continent shelf, which is a scientific, technical, and legal process. The next step is, of course, the examination of this of a submission by the CLCS. And then the third step is the delimitation of overlapping claims, if such overlapping overlap exists. And this is, of course, a diplomatic political process. And unfortunately, it seems that uh, that these different steps have been mixed up in the public. Uh, furthermore, it's important to note that the CLCS is a technical body responsible for making recommendations pertaining to the outer limits of the continent shelf. It has no mandate to resolve overlapping maritime boundaries and submissions to it are without prejudice to questions of delimitation of the continent shelf between states with opposite or adjacent coasts. And this is a direct citation from our paragraph 10 in Article 76. So the responsibility for resolving such dispute rests with the states involved. Furthermore, in Chapter 7 of the Executive Summary of the recent partial submission regarding the Arctic Ocean by the Kingdom of Denmark, it is clearly stated that there are potential overlaps of entitlement to the northern continent shelf of Greenland. It is also stated that the other Arctic coastal states are expected to file non-objection notes with the CLCS. And uh, Norway and Canada have already done this. So this is the framework for uh, solving uh, overlapping claim issues. And I think that all the Arctic coastal state have, uh, states have agreed to this procedure. And now to the last question. According to the few existing geological estimates of the seabed in the area, which the Kingdom of Denmark is claiming, there are no significant oil or gas deposits. Harsh environment, unpredictable weather, thick sea ice and the fact that the seabed is placed approximately 4,300 meters below sea level do, however, also make it almost impossible to exploit any resources if there was any. What is the purpose of the Kingdom of Denmark's claim to this area? Is it uh, merely of symbolic value or would it provide any new opportunities? Uh, yes, uh, in, in general terms, the Article 76 of UNCLOS provides opportunity for a coastal state to extend the continent shelf beyond 200 nautical miles and the outer limit of the continent shelf of coastal states is therefore one of the maritime boundaries 
like the Turtle Sea or the exclusive economic zone, a coastal state should de delineate. So that's a more principled issue where coastal states have to solve, after my opinion. And uh, beyond two nautical miles, the coastal state have, will have sovereign rights to resources on and below the seabed. And, uh, of course, that means also that a coastal state can decide not to exercise its rights. Admittedly, according to the well-known study from 2008 by the U.S. Geological Survey regarding Arctic hydrocarbon resources, the chances to find oil and gas in the central part of the Arctic Ocean are very small. However, I do not want to speculate what resource could be of interest 100 years from now. And please also note that matters related to mineral resources on and offshore Greenland since 2010 are handled by the government of Greenland as stated in the Act on Green Self-Government. So it is actually a question for the government of Greenland. So if there aren't any natural resources in the area, why then are Canada, Russia and the Kingdom of Denmark so keen on including the North Pole into their respective national territories? Is it merely because of the symbolic value or is there another reason? I think it's inherent for, for all coastal states that they, they try to exploit the possibilities of extending uh, their continent shelves beyond 200 nautical miles. Yeah. And of course, Article 76 answers gives the, this, the, the coast states this opportunity. So, and as I said, you never know what resources there might be in 100 years from now. So I think it's just to secure the rights and also to define this type of boundary. Well, thank you for clarifying and thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge with us today. It has been very inspirational and I look forward to see you at the coming High North Dialogue in Bodø. Thank you, Mark, and I also look forward to attend the meeting in Bodø. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Follow along with the series on iTunes or via websites highnorthdialogue.no and thearcticinstitute.org. The music you've heard at the beginning and at the end comes from Herbert Severin and can be found at ccmixture.org.